Well, it's a great privilege to be with you all this morning. Paul writes in his first chapter of the letter to the Philippians that he's grateful for their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I've been thinking about my first day of relationship with Grace Church, and it actually goes back to about 1986. When I was still in Virginia, I was invited down to Grace along with a friend of mine to do some teaching on small group ministry, and I think we led a men's retreat. But it was long enough now that even if I'm wrong, somebody here could correct me if they could remember. (laughs) It was my first time in Florida, and I never thought I'd be coming back. But in 1988, my family and I would be called to Redeemer in Jacksonville and began at that point not only be ministering among our congregation, but be getting, getting to know some of the people in yours. I remember once, a to, once upon a time, I recommended a young man to be uh, your music director, Jim Hart. <laughs> when troubles in our former denomination grew, Grace hosted a key night that helped pull the faithful together. I will never forget that hosting. And after I became a bishop, I had the privilege of confirming some of your members uh, so that they could be ordained the next week. Mike and I were remembering that five years ago, Epiphany, uh, he was installed as rector, and I had the privilege of being here that night. More recently, Grace hosted the wedding of my nephew and his wife. And I was thrilled to be here and be a part of that. So I'm grateful for this partnership, and I'm grateful that it's continuing, and assuming we can get the details sorted out, it will not just be between me and you, but grace with other congregations in the Gulf Atlantic Diocese. Before I share from the scriptures this morning, let me say a few words about the diocese. The primary ministries take place in the churches, where the great commandments to love God and neighbor and the great commission to make disciples are fleshed out. We're not trying to build some huge hierarchy or program. We have three goals as a diocese, to plant, to strengthen, and to raise up. To plant churches, strengthen existing congregations, and raise up leadership, both ordained and lay, for the ministries ahead. Since 2010, we've planted at least 10 congregations, and we're asking all congregations to go through an assessment process right now so they can be coached and strengthened to fulfill the Lord's vision for them. And we raise up leaders through both the ordination process and two of our programs. We have a children's camp called Araminta and a high school retreat called Dynamos. Once upon a time happening, all oh, this, this is a much more discipleship-oriented weekend than happening used to be. And both of those programs include leadership tracks, because we know that we can be training leaders from the beginning. We look forward to your students being an integral part of those programs. So please keep this process of your joining us in your prayers as we go through it together. So much for introductions. Now I'm going to start the sermon. So those who've been watching their watches, this is the beginning of the sermon. (laughs) 
I feel very privileged to be a part of this sermon series on Christ Revealed. And actually, as I've been thinking about it, you start Alpha tonight, and it's the best program I know for people to see Christ Revealed. So I'll be praying for that as the program begins. But let me raise a question. What was Jesus like if you had met him as he walked the hills of Galilee or the alleys of Jerusalem? How would you have experienced him? How would you have described him? Now, it's a dangerous question because Jesus has been identified in various ways through the years. Some have seen him as a political radical, others as a mystical guru, others as uh, a prophetic uh, person against the establishment. Jesus actually in one book was described as the perfect businessman, the wonderful entrepreneur. Others have seen him simply as a misunderstood rabbi. And yes, there were some who saw Jesus as a hippie. The temptation is to make Jesus in our own image rather than to allow him to make us in his image. But one part of the answer surely has to be that what was noticeable about Jesus is that he was radically compassionate. I think this is what struck people over and over again. Yes, he could be tough on those who led others astray or questioned his authority and mission. But in some ways, even these acts were driven by compassion because he knew he was the bread of life and therefore he had to discredit people who had forced others to go spiritually hungry. I want to look at the compassion of Jesus in the gospel reading this morning. So turn to... Matthew chapter 9, the end of the chapter. It's on page 813 in your pew Bibles. I want to look at his actions, his heart, and his plan. Now, this passage follows a section of teaching we usually call the Sermon on the Mount. Mike preached from it a few weeks ago. And since the time of that teaching or that set of teachings, Matthew shows us Jesus acting out of compassion again and again and again through chapters 8 and 9. Jesus heals a leper, then he heals a centurion's servant, then Peter's mother-in-law and many in Capernaum. Then after describing the cost of discipleship and calming a storm, he delivers two men from demons. He forgives and heals a paralyzed man he identifies himself as the loving bridegroom set to wed his people. He heals a hemorrhaging woman and brings back a young girl from the dead. And finally, he heals two blind men and rescues one mute man. Compassionate act after compassionate act. Lives changed by the power and mercy of God over and over again. These are the events that precede today's reading. And then we get a summary statement in verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the kingdom of God and healing every disease and every affliction. It's actually, interestingly enough, very similar to the summary of his ministry given right before the Sermon on the Mount. What we see is the compassionate ministry of Jesus in two forms, both in his proclamation 
and then in his actions. Well, what drives this ministry? What is his motive for ministry? We see it in verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Compassion. One translation, instead of harassed and helpless, suggested mangled and cast down. And one commentator suggested that perhaps the best way to get, to the, get the point here is to say that Jesus looked at people who were barely making it. And then comes a very powerful image. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd, defenseless. Sheep without a, a shepherd, lost. Not very good at providing for themselves. That comment is actually a reflection of Ezekiel chapter 34, where God says the people have no shepherd and that he will be their shepherd. Listen to these words from Ezekiel and compare them to the compassionate ministry of Jesus. This is the Lord speaking. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong, in other words, the oppressors, I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Let me say that last line a little slower. I will feed them in justice. Jesus acts with compassion because he sees people in need. Jesus acts in compassion because he is a compassionate God in the flesh. So I want to focus on two questions. First of all, do you know the compassion Jesus has for you? Because he knows how confused and hurting you can be, and yes, how sinful you are. Just be silent for a moment. We'll just keep a moment silent and ask the Lord to remind you of ways in which he's been compassionate to you. I don't think we stop enough to think about it. Just keep silence and just ask the Lord, just remind me of ways you've been compassionate to me. I love a verse from the hymn, The King of Love, My Shepherd Is. Verse says, Perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder gently laid, and home rejoicing brought me. The shepherd picking me up, picking you up, and bringing us home. Of course, the magnitude of his compassion is seen in the most unlikely place where Jesus, the shepherd, dies on the cross in the place of us, the sheep. So that was the first question. Do you know the compassion Jesus has for you because he knows how confused and hurting and yes, how sinful you are? 
And second question, do you know that Jesus is sending you out to display his compassion to others who are barely making it? Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Notice something. He has had his disciples pray for harvesters, and then in the next verse, beginning of chapter 10, he chooses them to go to do what he's been doing. 10.1, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. And then in 10.7, he instructs them, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. See how the proclamation of the gospel and the actions of the gospel are signs of the compassion of the good shepherd. Do you know that Jesus is sending you out to display his compassion to others? There's a famous quote attributed to more than one source, perhaps a Greek philosopher named Philo. I don't really care who said it, but I agree with what it says. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. A man named H. Jackson Brown said this, remember that everyone you meet is afraid of something, loves something, and has lost something. There's always something under the surface. There's always pain. There's always struggle. John Ortberg said, everybody's normal till you get to know them. Everyone you meet is harassed and helpless on their own. And everyone you meet needs Jesus, the compassionate shepherd. And we're sent out in the harvest that's ready to be harvested. The implication is that God, the planter, has already prepared many people to be included in the harvest. He's already been reaching into lives. It's not all up to us. We're getting on board with what the planter has already started. So let me close with two stories and two, two challenges. The first story was life-changing for me. I was at dinner with a friend, and at the end of dinner, he reached out to the waitress. Up until that time, she'd been bright and cheerful and instructive. You know how waitress and waitresses can be. You learn more about the menu than the cook knows. Uh, but she was wonderful. And at the end, he said, you've done a wonderful job. Is there anything we can pray for for you? And then she started sobbing. I don't just mean a tear down her cheek. I mean weeping. Finally pulled herself together and said, well, last night my boyfriend shook my baby and now he's in jail and they've taken the baby away from me and I don't know what I'm going to do. You would never have known that but she's in a great struggle. So I remember that story, <clears throat> and I came home, and I thought, well, I can do that. And so Marsha and I went out to dinner one night. Again, a waiter who was very kind, very effective, uh, very helpful, and seemed to be fairly happy. 
And I said, what can we pray for? He said, well, I'm a single dad with two kids. I have MS, which is getting worse, and we'll probably lose this job. And I can't pay the rent this month, and I don't know how we're going to make it. To make a long story very short, the end result of that conversation is not only were we able to help him, but he's now become a member of our congregation, and he and his kids have both come to Christ. So I challenge you to review the mercy and compassion of Jesus that you've seen in your own life so that your joy will be increased and you will not lose hope. And I also challenge you to pray to Jesus, the compassionate Lord of the harvest, and ask him to send you to people or send people to you who need his compassion delivered through you. I believe from my experience and from the scriptures that if you pray those kind of prayers, he will send you out in the harvest. You don't have to proclaim the whole gospel every time. Your job is to show the compassion of Jesus and point people to him. And he will do mighty things among you because he already has. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord Jesus, you were kind to us in the midst of our great struggle, in our sinfulness, in our waywardness, you came after each of us and showed us your compassionate love. Help us to remember that and then help us to share it so that your kingdom may be extended. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.